So, Mina, you know how uh, cows, when it's about to, like, thunderstorm, they all, like, lie down on the grass and people can be like, oh, it's raining. You know how that, you know, that thing? No, I was not familiar with that phenomena. You don't know how, like, certain animals know when there's something brewing, something major brewing meteorologically on the horizon. That's not a thing you've ever heard of. I think I know where this analogy is going, and I'm a little bit <laughs> resentful of being compared to a cow <laughs> lying on the ground. Well, I am curious, just based on how you have been behaving, if the people in your life can already tell that football season has basically already arrived again. Pablo, there is no off season in my house, so my behavior is not changing. I am not a cow that is suddenly laying on the ground. I'm like a, a shark or a predator that's always ready to hunt. Never sleeping, always moving to stay alive, always grinding tape to keep your, your life's meaning intact. That's about it. There are storm clouds on the horizon right now. And if you look up, you can recognize them. You can recognize the pressure in the air changing as these familiar and very oblong nimbuses get ready to rain content and end the drought that is otherwise known as the NFL offseason. So today, with NFL training camps officially underway now, Mina Kimes forecasts this coming flood of football drama and she helps us measure and evaluate the current crop of quarterbacks who are all hoping to put down roots. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Monday, July 25th, and this is ESPN Daily. It is jarring that football season is back. It is July. Players are showing up at camps, and I am curious in terms of just, like, the metabolism of the sport, right? Like, how do you think the sport feels at this moment? It feels good. It's funny because um, ESPN's been dropping all of these rankings. Our colleague Jeremy Fowler has been surveying, you know, coaches, executives around the league on the best players. And when, when the quarterback ranking came out, I was struck by just how much talent there is at the quarterback position right now. Yeah. Young and old. And I think that that, I mean, I, you know, obviously it's the most important position in football. I think that really speaks to how exciting the product is right now. My first question on that note is simply, what the hell is happening with Lamar Jackson right now? Yes. Because Lamar Jackson is one of those quarterbacks, one of those star quarterbacks who is basically the only one who is unsigned, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody else, every other star has signed a giant contract. And here is Lamar on the last year of his deal with the Ravens. And we'll get to everybody else in a second. But why hasn't the MVP, former mm -hmm. MVP of the league, signed a new contract with Baltimore? Well, it's funny you bring it up because... Um the rankings I mentioned, Lamar was actually not in the top 10, which of course kicked off a right, massive right. debate. <laughs> he tends to be a hot button topic um, amongst fans, analysts, and yeah, yeah. And I think that's reflected in the contract because it's kicked off another debate. The fact that he has not signed a deal yet, the fact that he is representing himself, the fact that he's been kind of willing to play this out. Lamar Jackson has been criticized at times for representing himself, for dragging this thing along. Right. He does not have an agent. Exactly. But the longer it's gone on, 
the richer he's going to be. We've seen these other quarterback <laughs> deals come in. Sean Watson, Kyler Murray, most recently, Josh Allen before that. Yep. And, you know, it, it does involve a bit of risk when quarterbacks push these things out. But if you can get to, say, Kirk Cousins' territory where the Washington football team had to franchise tag him and then he left and got an incredible amount of guaranteed money, you can be in for a massive payday. And then, of course, Lamar Jackson actually deserves all the money. You know, sometimes the highest paid quarterback, it's kind of like being, I don't know, the oldest living human. You're just outlasting <laughs> people before you. It's But yeah. but but Lamar, like, he actually does deserve to be paid at the top of the market. Since 2019, his MVP season, his first full season in the league, he has been second in QBR, second in touchdown rate, 11th in passer rating, which takes out rushing. Mm. He's been nothing short of fantastic for Baltimore. So it seems impossible for them to move on. Are you worried at all that the Ravens have mishandled this? I, I mean, I just ask that because we've seen Lamar make his Twitter header <laughs> for some amount of time into a grill that said, I need dollar sign, and then said, no, that's nothing to do with the contract negotiation. It just feels like, I don't know, like he might be feeling in a very understandable way disrespected by his employer. Do you think there are going to be like lasting effects of the way this negotiation has gone? It's not entirely clear because we don't know what the Ravens have offered him, right? If they have mm. lowballed him, if they have not put forward anything close to the top of the market, well, that's your answer. That's why he hasn't done it. We're not privy to these negotiations. But I will say this, the, the fact that he showed up and has not, I think, publicly agitated anyway, aside from the aforementioned Twitter header. Yeah. I think yeah, suggests yeah. that it's more likely than not that they'll get something done. Well, you look around the league and like, yes, all these guys are signing these giant deals. And it seems like in general, right, the newest quarterback deal is going to be better than mm -hmm. the previous. And so after another sort of dramatic social media driven saga, which you know well, between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, in which he ends up signing after all of that, a five-year extension worth $230.5 million, $160 million, that's the real number in terms of guaranteed dollars. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious what your reaction was when that piece of news broke. I, it just felt inevitable. You know, I would say the contract was kind of interesting because after the Browns gave Deshaun Watson a similar amount of money, however, fully guaranteed, there was some, I would say, concern around the league amongst front offices that that might be a new standard. But right. it turns out it's not. The Browns really were that desperate. Whereas the Cardinals mm. signed Kyler Murray to, you know, like a fairly, fairly normal quarterback contract. It's inevitable because this is a team that was not going to move on from him. Uh, we can talk about his performance, but I think they view him as a franchise quarterback. They also built this team basically in his image. They extended the coach who is, um, you know, basically designed his offense around quarterback like Kyler Murray. And um, it's early, right? Because uh, Kyler, unlike Lamar, is still a, a year away from his fifth year option. Um, I think Cardinals probably thought, well, we know we've got our guy. Let's get this done. It's going to look like a bargain pretty quickly. And so the idea that now they have, as you said, their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, extended, and they're represented by the same agent, incidentally, which made part of this so deliciously messy for mm -hmm. a while. But they have Cliff Kingsbury, and they have Steve Kime, the general manager, also extended. And now they have Kyler extended. It does feel like, okay, that 
bit of soap opera is now behind us, but the actual pressure to perform, specifically in like the second half of the season, where Cliff Kingsbury specifically is now kind of like infamously mocked for underperformance, like that's where this all still has to really like come through. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury's tendency to underperform down the stretch goes back to his college days, Pablo, at, at Texas Tech, the Red Raiders were 42, 20, and 1 in games 1 through 7, and then 16 and 43 after that. Ugh. And all of his seasons, uh, his teams had a worse record <laughs> down the stretch. <laughs> that seems and, like a problem. Well, and it is fascinating, right, to, to look at this team that struggled a bit down the stretch after their unbelievably hot start and then basically collapsed in the playoffs and flash forward to this summer and every single person involved has gotten extended. I, I think uh, there's a ton of pressure on all three of them, but I, the reality is Kyler Murray is not going anywhere. It's Cliff Kingsbury, I think, who would be on the hot seat if it happens again. And Steve Keim deserves a lot of criticism as well for this the way this team is built, the roster construction. The last two first-round picks barely played in that playoff game. Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins were both linebackers. When you look at the Cardinals and how much they struggled down the stretch, yes, Kyler was up and down. He was coming off of a sprained ankle that he incurred about halfway through the season, but they really failed to make adjustments after losing DeAndre Hopkins. And that's a problem because, as you know, at the beginning of the season, they do not have DeAndre Hopkins, who was suspended for six games. They did trade for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Right. But there's going to be, a, I, I do think it's going to be a real challenge for Cliff Kingsbury, and he has to step up and show that he can make the adjustments with the talent that he does have. And so we have the Cardinals under pressure in the NFC West, and then we have the 49ers who have a particular mess of their own. I mean, is the Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> situation right now where he is looking for a new home and the 49ers have given his agent permission to seek trades. Is that a mess? And if so, how big a mess is that? I would say it's less of a mess and more just misfortune on the part of the 49ers because Pablo, Jimmy Garoppolo is absolutely a starting quarterback in the NFL. You, know, he's, he's, you could call him average or whatever, but he should, like, you would think a team would have wanted to trade for him, mm. but he did have surgery on his shoulder in the offseason. And I think that kind of limited his prospects because there's so much movement amongst quarterbacks at the beginning of the offseason. You know, you had um, Carson Wentz going to Washington, Matt Ryan to Indianapolis. I think those two teams probably would have been bidders for Jimmy Garoppolo, but it didn't work out. And, you know, as the offseason went on, the number of options dwindled. Carolina trades for Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. uh, and then suddenly... You're looking at really just Cleveland, who could potentially acquire Jimmy Garoppolo if, you know, Deshaun Watson is suspended for some period of time. They have Jacoby Brissett right now. Mm. And then Seattle, who San Francisco is not going to trade with, more likely than not, <laughs> right? So it really yeah, just yeah. kind of didn't go their way. And I still think Cleveland is actually a, an option for Jimmy Garoppolo, Pablo. But if they were to trade for him, he has a cap hit of about $25 million. So one thinks that they would probably want San Francisco to eat a lot of that. And I'm not sure if it's going to play out that way because the Niners could just, you know, save all that money by cutting him. But if this team, if San Francisco waits too long, I mean, I do mm -hmm. wonder if we get what to me is hilarious, but to them would not be this sort of scenario mm -hmm. where 
Trey Lance is the starter, but in that quarterback's room in the literal corner is the very handsome and handsomely paid backup who is just sitting there waiting. It wasn't awkward last year. Uh, You know, I think when the Niners drafted Trey Lance third overall, there was an understanding that he wouldn't play immediately. He was very inexperienced coming out of college, incredible physical tools, but the thought was like, okay, it's a fine for him to sit. But to have him sit, if, if, if he did sit in year two, I think it would be strained. And I don't think it's going to happen, to be clear. But if they're not able to trade Grapple and for some reason they decide to keep him on their roster with that massive cap hit, it would be kind of like, you know, the meme where the Undertaker is standing behind someone? <laughs> There's some other wrestler who's in front of him. That's Garoppolo yes. in, in this situation because more likely than not, there's going to be some ups and downs for Trey Lance. I think he's incredibly talented, but when we did see him last year, you know, you saw some struggles, especially in the first game against Arizona. I thought in his second start against Houston, you really got a sense of why they drafted him. While Jimmy Garoppolo may be more accurate and uh, is very, uh, I would say, a good fit in the structure of Kyle Shanahan's offense, despite some you know untimely interceptions, Trey Lance is a playmaker. He pushes the ball downfield. I mean, even in that small sample size, he averaged 9.3 intended air yards per attempt. Mm. Jimmy Garoppolo is down 7.5, much further down the quarterback ranking. So it, it just changes the nature of the offense, and I think it's going to be exciting to watch it play out, but it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, I think there are actually two possibilities as Undertaker memes go. There is that one where he's standing behind AJ Styles, staring awkwardly. And then there is the other one where he is like, you know, getting up from the dead, except no one believes that second thing is going to happen. I think to draw upon another iconic wrestling meme, the hope for Garoppolo, whether it's Cleveland, Seattle, or whatever, is that he's less like the Undertaker and more like the gif of Sting dropping from the ceiling, just ready to wreck things. (laughs) But speaking of wrecking things, I want to ask you about the real wrestling matches that we are about to see at quarterback after the break. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so Mina, I need your help with helping me understand all of these quarterback battles now that are happening across the NFL because you talked about the contract stuff and the trades, but in Carolina, you mentioned Baker Mayfield arriving there earlier this summer. He is squaring off against Sam Darnold. And so what's the forecast in terms of Baker Mayfield just winning that job? Darnold's obviously struggled, or is this going to be an actual battle? The forecast is cloudy. 
Garoppolo because I don't, I don't think anyone there knows exactly who's going to start. We're hearing kind of different reports and rumors about preferences. The Panthers barely traded anything for Baker Mayfield. I thought it was actually an excellent move for them. And they're paying him $5 million this year. Mm. And while Mayfield struggled greatly last year, he was, of course, playing through injury. And I think we have seen, whether it was the year before or times during his rookie season, that his highs are much higher than a $5 million quarterback. I do think he's also been better than Sam Darnold. Even, even last year, when he was banged up, he finished with a better QBR, pass rating, completion percentage over expectation, over Darnold. He's also more likely to push the ball downfield. And despite the fact that he threw a ton of picks, Darnold actually threw more picks last year. Now, granted, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you he's better than <laughs> Darnold. Both of them were, you know, near the bottom of Just the league. so many, so many picks. Yeah. But I think that, you know, with Baker, because of that injury, it's more likely that you're going to get some upside out of him. And upside has uh, been lacking for quite a while in Carolina, which is a team that's just been wandering in the quarterback wilderness. What is actually at stake in terms of the outcome of who they choose a quarterback? Well, I, earlier I said Cliff Kingsbury was on the hot seat. If his hot seat is like, I don't know, bell pepper, <laughs> Matt Rule's hot seat is ghost pepper, habanero, whatever the highest one is. I yeah, don't know. Scoville scale. Yeah, Carolina Reaper actually maybe fitting. Oh, yeah. wow. There you go. <laughs> um, mm. Because, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on him and also GM Scott Fitterer on account of this team's underperformance over the last couple of seasons. If you don't have a quarterback, it really doesn't matter if you're defense is young and talented if you've got decent skill players i think carolina actually does with dj moore and robbie anderson and improving offensive line they drafted iki Aquanu to play left tackle this year which i thought was a great pick but none of that matters if they can't get good quarterback play and then i would also say you know with baker mayfield this to me feels like an addition for his next contract a chance for him to prove to the league that he is not the quarterback we saw last year and so week one, I mean, for all of the incompetence that is running through this franchise, week one, the Carolina Panthers host the Browns. Mm. What does that feel like to you if that is the backdrop for it? Again, like that Scoville scale on revenge games, this is, I think, the spiciest one, right? Because you actually week one has a ton of bangers. You got <laughs> Wilson going against his old team. Uh, you've got Justin Herbert against the Raiders. Last we saw, they got bounced, you remember, from the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this yeah. one, man, I mean, the thing about Baker Mayfield is like his whole life is a revenge game. <laughs> I don't know if you, you know, that was his identity in college. He was the walk-on. Nobody believes in me. And then he gets picked first overall. And it's like, eh, we can't really do the chip on the shoulder thing anymore right now. Well, the chip is back and <laughs> it is honestly probably going to manifest itself on the field if he's the starter and I, just from an entertainment value i cannot wait yeah i'm imagining just like a literal giant nacho chip to dip into <laughs> a very very sweat inducing bit of salsa on baker mayfield's shoulder now <laughs> oh spicy which brings us of course, to Miami. Because to Tonga Vailoa, I mean, look, we did a whole episode here, Mina. Uh, you recommended us to do this episode on Tuanan. And we know this is a number five overall pick. This is the franchise cornerstone. This is a guy we've exhaustively covered at this point. He has won the job, but not won the press conference yet. <laughs> and so what is happening in Miami with Tua right now? How do you assess him as a quarterback? 
Well, the great Marcel Louis Jacques, who covers the Dolphins and was on that episode, I thought put it best when he came on my podcast <laughs> and said the Dolphins have isolated the variable, and the variable now is Tua. Mm. Because yeah, in his the beginning of his NFL career, there's been ups and downs. I think criticisms as to his aggressiveness. He's not really pushing the ball downfield. It's coming out quick. It's such an RPO-centric offense. But, you know, you could argue, and I think Tua Hanan would <laughs> mount this defense. Yeah, that, um, yeah. they're listening. Uh, yeah. This was all because of the Dolphins' very bad offensive line. So it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, right? And now they've made improvements to the offensive line. I think Teron Armstead, who's one of the best left tackles in the league. I think there's still some question marks elsewhere. And then, of course, you know, added Tyreek Hill, putting together a very, very fast uh, and, I think, talented group of skill players. So really, you know, it comes down to Tua. And I think if he can't succeed in this offense with head coach Mike McDaniel, after that, Miami will probably move on and the league will look at him differently. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tyreek and I began to chuckle just because I did not realize that Tyreek Hill was also going to be a podcaster. <laughs> and on that podcast, he's just been talking. He's been he's been he's been trumpeting how good Tua is, but he's also been echoing the exact sort of do or die scenario that you just described, right? Like, I just am fascinated as to how into the Tua non kind of universe in comes Tyreek Hill as another voice that we're going to be paying attention to this season. Yeah, the podcast is called It Needed to Be Said. And I think <laughs> the point you just alluded to where he said, yeah, this is probably it for Tua. You know, in the NFL, they only give you like two to three years to be a successful quarterback, especially if you're a first-round draft pick. And if you if you don't succeed after those years, then it's kick rocks, man. So basically, they don't put Tua into that, you know, I feel like. So it's basically his last year, man, just to show people what, what he got. Tyreek, did not need to be said. By yeah. a teammate. Uh, you know, the, the boosting is one thing. <laughs> by his new star receiver. Yeah, yeah, saying the quiet part out loud there, not the best decision. So in terms of these other new partnerships around the league, it's hard to avoid being fascinated by the post-Aaron Rodgers life of Devontae Adams because Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay. He has a very elaborate, weird tattoo. And Devontae Adams is in Vegas with a guy that I didn't realize he was that close with in Derek Carr. And so their new presumed chemistry, Mina, Derek Carr to Devontae Adams, what does that do for the Raiders? Well, I think the offense is going to be very good. I mean, so Derek Carr, you know, I would say over the course of his career is kind of in that 10 to 15 range at quarterback. I think he's gotten better at pushing the ball downfield, playmaking, and I also think that he now, we talk about isolating the variable Tua, he is in a fantastic situation. I mean, not only does he have who I believe is the best wide receiver in football in Devontae Adams, but you've got Darren Waller, mm. who's one of the best tight ends, Hunter Renfro, who's one of the best slot receivers. Combined, it's going to be so challenging for defenses to cover all these guys. I mean, Devontae Adams is probably going to flourish here, even though Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. It'll be very difficult for defenses to double him the way they did in Green Bay. He has never been surrounded by this much talent. I think the offensive line is a little bit of a question mark, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finish as one of the top 10 offenses in the league. The problem, Pablo, is that the pass defense still has some issues, particularly in the back end, and they play in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Justin Herbert, and now Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to wait a beat to get to Mr. Unlimited. Because there is another quarterback who has, I know, entranced you for a while. Mm. Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. 
now making his way to the AFC as well. It does feel now, by the way, like all the quarterbacks are just there. Truly. um, In short. But Matt Ryan in Indianapolis is causing Bill Barnwell, our good friend, frequent guest of the pod, to make the case that this could be an MVP year for Matty Ice. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? What do you see out of him? I see a quarterback who's still playing at a fairly high level. You know, last year, obviously, his raw numbers weren't great because he played for the Falcons. But if you watch the games, you know, he's still an incredible decision maker. Pocket management is still great. Accuracy, he even can still throw deep at times. And, um, you know, he was one of the 10 most pressured quarterbacks last year. But of those 10, he had the quickest time to throw, which I think speaks to just, you know, how bad the situation was, lack of skill players as well. Mm. Now he goes to an Indianapolis team with a, a better offensive line, a very good head coach in Frank Reich. I, I would say maybe not the best weapons, but I wouldn't be surprised if he looks better than he did last season and surprises a lot of people. And it also just feels like if you're going to follow somebody as a starting quarterback, like following Carson Wentz at this point, that does help you sort of win the press conference, as it were, just from the jump. It is an upgrade for them at the quarterback position. I think this is a team that is likely to win their division. But, and this is something you alluded to earlier, they're in the AFC, right? Where all of the good quarterbacks, is kind of like... Um, yeah, good luck. You know when you have a party and everyone just ends up congregating in the kitchen? That feels like the AFC <laughs> right now. Like, if the Colts are in the NFC, yeah. they'd probably be one of the faves to come out of it. But unfortunately, the AFC, there's just it's just so stacked. Uh, not just the quarterbacks, but with very good football teams. All right, coming up. We talked to Mina about the one AFC quarterback that she cannot stop staring at from across that very crowded room. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, so let us say the quiet part out loud here because you've been dancing around you and the Seahawks, Mina. And we haven't actually gotten your take on what it feels like to have Geno Smith and Drew Locke fighting for your heart, basically. So how do you feel about all of that? 
can't believe we waited this long to talk about the premier quarterback competition in the NFL. Buried the lead. <laughs> so look, this is the bridge situation in Seattle. I think after trading Russell Wilson and not pursuing, you know, one of the better quarterbacks who might be available or drafting one, mm-hmm. clearly they viewed this season as um, you know, a bit of a transitional one. So the question is, okay, who's best to guide this offense during this transition? I think it's it's actually pretty tough because the quarterbacks are so different and they're both flawed. Geno Smith, when he did play last year, he started a few games for Seattle. He flashed at times, I think, the sort of accuracy and kind of point guard-like ability that Shane Walter, their offensive coordinator, might want. When he was kept clean, Pablo, he had a passer rating of 131 and adjusted completion percentage of 92. When he was pressured, hmm. that passer rating dropped to 26. So uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's the guy who, when everything's right, he can play pretty well, but when things go wrong, he struggles. Whereas with Drew Locke, I think you have more playmaking ability. He can use his legs, he can throw the ball downfield, but just on a down-to-down basis, not a lot of consistency. So it seems like the guy who was famously punched by a teammate and the guy who mostly is known for being uh, a meme for rapping on the sidelines, that neither of those guys is Mr. Right. It's mostly just a Mr. Right Now scenario for you. Yeah, going from Mr. Unlimited to Mr. Right Now is uh, (laughs) a little bit of a drop off. Quite the drop off. But, you know, again, I think um, this is a team that knows kind of who they are right now. And um, let's just say I'll be watching a lot of college tape this year. (laughs) So... At the very end here, Mina, we do need to, we need to talk about the thing. So I assume having spent months processing this, consuming just how much Russell Wilson has immediately taken to loving everything about Denver and its surrounding environs, like going to local games, celebrating, mm-hmm. changing his catchphrases, right? What's his catchphrase now? Because it used to be obviously go Hawks. Let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Yeah, God. (laughs) How do you feel about him riding in the way that he has been? Like, how much are the Seahawks going to miss him? How much are the Broncos going to enjoy having Mr. Unlimited now? Well, you know, I just told you I watched three Geno Smith games and Drew Lactate. They're they're obviously (laughs) going to miss him. But I think probably this is just really interesting. Um, You know, seeing Wilson not just embracing a new city and a catch raise and whatnot, but also in a new offense. In Green Bay, Nathaniel Hackett, who's the Broncos head coach, was the offensive coordinator with Matt LaFleur. You saw Aaron Rodgers kind of rejuvenated, really playing more in the structure of the offense, had a sort of bounce back arc, I would say, over the last couple of years. Mm. I'm curious to see what Russell Wilson looks like with an entirely new coaching staff and new players around him. You know, I talked about the Panthers being in the quarterback wilderness. Obviously, that's where the Broncos have been roaming since Peyton Manning retired. So to have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I still believe Russell Wilson is, land in your laps Mm. uh, has to be extremely exciting. And so I'll be curious to see if he is rejuvenated or changes his style of play in any way. But it feels like it's sort of like a curiosity in the way that you have maybe over like an ex on Instagram. <laughs> it's like you're not rooting for him, but you're definitely curious about what he's up to now. 
I just root for good football, Pablo. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I'm happy. He's happy. Both sides have moved oh, on. Lord. I just want what's best for him. Bless your heart, Vita. The copium is this is this is this is the part of the podcast where I think out of a sheer sense of mercy, we just say thank you for joining us. Let's ride. <laughs> I'm Pablo Torre, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.